Welcome to Series 4 of the Tim Hill Podcast. In this series, it's Tim having a rant, that is me. So if you enjoy me having a bit of a rant and going on about what's going on in today's society, stay tuned. If you don't want to listen to me rant, well, you can always turn me off. Welcome to another Tim's Rants. In this time, I'm going to have a bit of a go about solving a solution. We all know that recently the army has been called in to solve the the fuel crisis. We haven't run out of fuel. We haven't run out of fuel drivers. What we've run out of is common sense. People running around panic buying, it's just beyond belief. So, what I'm going to do is find a solution. Every single time that there's a national crisis of some sort, I'll get the army in. Look at a few years ago when we had all that rain that came down and it was flooding down the A22. Get the army in to, to bolster up, fill sandbags and stuff like that. The army has got better things to do with its time than go around solving national problems. So here's a solution. Now, going back some 50, 60, 70 years after the Second World War, we had conscription and we had national service. Well, here's a new take on national service and this could solve lots and lots of problems. What we do is kids from 18 to 25 that are leaving school or leaving full-time education, what they do is they're conscripted. And then they go off to what we call community national service. And what this will entail is it will be run on the lines of what national service used to be. So they get conscripted in, they have a medical and all the rest of it, and then they spend the first six weeks doing all the square bashing, running around doing PT, learning new stuff, new skills. They're, they're taught discipline, they're taught respect for others, they're taught um, general stuff that makes people a better person. If you ask anybody that was in national service, they'll all tell you it was the best time in their lives. So what they do is they spend the first six weeks running around, getting fit, learning respect for others, doing drill, so they're then a cohesive unit. So what you do, you knock them down and you build them up. And it's proved time and time again. There was a programme a few years ago um, it was called Lads Army to start with, and then it went to Bad Lads Army. So they got a load of bad lads together, and they put them through 1950s style conscription. So they were back then. They were National Service soldiers. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. We'll adapt it to the snowflake generation. What you do, you adapt it slightly. But in the same principles, you make it difficult, 
you make it challenging. So the first six weeks, they're running around, they're learning all of this stuff, they're learning to be. You, you break them down, and then you start building them up. Exactly the same as what they do in the Army, or the, 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 the Navy, or the Air Force. They all work on the same principle of taking these guys and knock them down and then start building them up. And then what you do is the first six weeks is, is, is the toughest. You take away their mobile phones. You, you take away all the normal comforts of today's society. You get rid of all the gaming, all that sort of rubbish. You start them at six o'clock in the morning. You get them up. You teach them how to wash and shave and, and personal hygiene. You teach them how to make their beds, how to look after their kit. So you issue them a uniform of some sort. Um, then you take them out, you're doing some PT in the morning. Then you go on a drill square. Then you're going in for lectures on all sorts of stuff. And after they finish their first six weeks, they will be much, much better people. So you give them a week's leave. So they go back home, they tell their, their parents, or you, or you get your parents to turn up and, and see them pass off the square. So they, they, they've achieved something. They've, they've got through the first six weeks, they're a cohesive unit, and they're working really well together. They go off ever a, a week's leave, and then they come back for the next section. And the next session, what you do is you train them, and you train them to do stuff that they draft the army in for. So you train them for disaster for relief. So if there's, you, you teach them how to fill up sandbags, you teach them all these new skills. So you, you get them to learn, teach them how to drive. So they can drive trucks, they can drive coaches. So if there's a crisis or when they finish this process, they can go out into the rider world and they can get a job as a driver. And this is this is something that needs to come full circle. What you need to do is, and this, this will come naturally, but you need to train or, or you need to get people to treat drivers with respect. And this will come in time, as with any other discipline. So you're teaching them all of this stuff, the same, why they draft the army in to sort out these big problems. They got the army in when when they needed ambulance drivers or they got the army in for the vaccine rollout. This is what these people can do. You can have on standby to go at a minute's notice to go and help, help out with disaster relief. So you're teaching them what the army do or the military does for this disaster planning stuff. So you're giving these people the skill sets to be able to, to do that sort of work. And it will knock on when they go back into society and get into the, to reform the NHS, for instance. Let's teach people how to, to run an effective service. And that's what this community national service 
thing will be all about. And it will have a knock-on effect to the rest of their lives. You ask, say, anybody that's been in the military that has gone through this process, they know respect for others. They know how to work. When I left the army, I found it really, really difficult transitioning into civilian life. I found it really frustrating, the attitude of people towards work. And you see it all over the place. Oh, how many sick days do I get? How many sick days am I entitled to a year? That shouldn't be a question. You don't, you don't add on sick days uh, as part of your um, package. You get your leave. You get your, your holidays. And most firms give at least, I don't know, what is it, 28 days plus the eight days um, bank holidays. And then people are, oh, well, I need some sick days added on to that. No, you don't. You don't add on sick days if you're not sick. So that's, that's something else that you need to drum into people about having sick days. And again, the need to, to furlough. Furlough is stopping. And there's, oh, there's a million people going to be affected by it. And there's a million vacancies, apparently. At the moment, we've got a shortage of heavy goods drivers. And they're going to draft the army into help out. Well, the army, at the moment, is somewhere around about 60, 66,000, maybe 70,000. Out of that, there's probably somewhere around about 25,000 deployed around the world doing stuff to protect us. The rest, you've probably got about a quarter of that on the biff, are broken, that have uh, health issues, that have got some sort of breakage. And, and the army goes through a whole process of, of trying to get these people back to fighting fit. And it takes ages. And when I was working in welfare, part of my job was looking after these wounded soldiers. And the whole process that trying to, the, the, the idea is to get them back into work as, as, as quick as possible and as fit as possible. And if they're not capable of being fully fit and deployable, then they look at transitioning them out. And, and that's fair. If, if you're not up to, you're not fit enough to do the job, then you should move on to something you are. And when you do transition out of the army, they go for a whole process of resettlement. They put you on courses. Um, most people that have done four years are entitled to uh, a couple of weeks of resettlement courses. And they give you all that training. They, they, they transition you into society so you can then become a citizen that can do a job. And these guys, along with myself, find it really frustrating going into the civilian workplace 
and, and the attitude of people to, to their work life. It, it's, 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 it is demoralising at times, and it's why a lot of people try to get back into the military. But the military can only do so much. So the Community National Service Programme would work. They would do six weeks square bashing uh, and building them up. They'd have a week off, they'd come back, and then they'd do specific sort of disaster relief type of training. You'd teach them how to drive lorries, you'd teach them how to um, plan for disasters and disaster relief. So they can be called upon in the future should something happen. And you give them, I don't know, something like maybe eight weeks of that sort of training to give them lots and lots of practical skills. Then they could go off and have another week's leave and then they come back for the final stage, which will be them completing some sort of project, going out into the, to the wider world, into society, into local communities and doing some community projects. For instance, if you've got an area that has got a problem with rubbish, you can send them in and they can clear that area. If you've got an area that needs some serious, serious rebuilding, some regeneration, you can bring them in to use those sort of skills. So you're giving them something to work to. You're giving them some building skills. You're giving them some life skills. So they maybe do, I don't know, another eight weeks of community projects. Going to have a final week's leave and then they'll come back. And the last bit is you, you take them off and you give them some adventurous training. You take them off to do some adventurous training, whether it be uh, a ski trip somewhere, whether it be a climbing trip somewhere, whether it be a sailing trip somewhere. You give them some sort of adventurous training that's going to take them out of their comfort zone to be able to build up their resilience. And at the end of this, this time, they'll, they'll be so much better people going into society. And if we can give our young people that, this will go on over decades and we will become a much, much better society. So people are saying, draft the army in to sort out this problem. Why don't they draft the navy in to sort out the migrants crossing the channel problem? They've got the vessels to do it. They could bring in the Royal Marines to help out and the Royal Navy work together all the time. And they can patrol and turn these boats back. And the ones that do get through, pick them up, stick them on a ferry, take them straight back. It's a simple answer. And if the French don't like it, they can lump it. The French are kicking off at the moment that we're taking away their rights to fish in our waters. Hang on a minute. Our waters? Which part don't they quite get that it's UK waters that they're coming into taking UK fish? How would they feel if UK fishermen go into their waters? Well, there's not a lot of point, actually, because they've, 
they've actually overfished their waters they don't have any fish in the French side of the channel. Because fish are so scared that they'll just get swallowed up. But that's going to happen here. If we continue to let the French into our waters, we'll have no fish left. I think stop them coming into our waters altogether. That'll solve the problem. So, the next thing, the next big thing, where are we going from this? With the illegal migrants that are already here, put them onto this scheme. Let them earn their keep. Let them, they want to work, get them in, into camps, and then get them out into the community doing community projects until their cases are sorted out. And give them three square meals a day, give them a roof over their head so they're nice and warm, give them some clothes, and give them the tools to go out and do some of this work in the local communities until they've got the right to stay or they return them back to where they came from. That would also maybe stop some of them wanting to come here in the first place if they think that they're going to be put to work. And talking about putting people to work, there's something like, what, a million people on the dole? Maybe look at getting them into work. Maybe they work shy. There was, you don't hear so much about it nowadays, but there are generations of families that have never, ever worked a day in their life and they've only ever sponged off an estate. When you think about it, it's not sponging off the state, it's sponging off of taxpayers. All these, all these funds that the, the government announced and everything like that, it's all government money. No, it ain't. It's taxpayers' money. It's the same as getting a big EU grant. It's not an EU grant. It's EU taxpayers' grant. It's the taxpayers that fund all this. This is the bit that they, the people kind of forget. It's UK, European taxpayers that fund the whole project. It's taxpayers that pay for everything. Without, without the taxpayers, you don't have a civil service. You don't have the military. You don't have the NHS. You don't have a police force. You don't have a firefighting force. You don't have an ambulance force. You don't have civil servants. It's all taxpayer funded. And if the private sector isn't generating funds, you don't get a public sector because there's no money for a public sector if the private sector isn't paying into it. Yeah, but you say, well, the public sector pay taxes. Yeah, but where's that money come from in the first place? It's come from the private sector. If the private sector doesn't make any money, nobody gets anything. And we're all, all in the same boat. We all have the same issue. If the private sector isn't 
making any money, the public sector doesn't function. You don't get your hospitals. You don't get public servants. You don't get pensions. You don't get welfare. Because there's nothing coming in. Because the private sector is not putting in. So we need to look at this sensibly and get the private sector up and running as quick as possible and giving them the opportunity to make as much as possible. Because if the private sector is doing extremely well, then they're paying more tax into the system. It's simple as that. So for society to be able to function we need to build in respect for it. And to do that, we need to get this community national service up and running as quick as possible. It's going to take a little bit of time to get it sorted out properly. And we need to take back some of these army camps that we're looking at selling off. Refurb them, turn them into proper camps where you, you've got national service, community national service kids to turn up and you bring them in a new batch every week or every other week so you get a sausage factory going and these guys coming through they're getting trained up in square bashing they're getting trained up in physical building up their physicality so you're giving them something to work to and in time, we will have a much, much better country. But to let things go on as they are, just after, oh, any time there's a crisis, oh, get the army in, get the army in. No, that's not the answer. The answer is to produce our own community national service that can be called upon in a crisis so we can deal with all these issues without calling in the military. The military has got enough on its plate protecting us around the world. At the moment, we've got a carrier strike group down in the South China Sea looking after our interests down there. China is one of the biggest problems the world's going to face. Look at what's happened. China has got its finger into just about everything in this country. It's been in buying up our infrastructure. Just look at what they've taken over. Just look at what they've got involved in. Just look at where the threat is going to come from. We can't rely on the Americans, not why Biden's in, pro, in charge. Look what he did to us over Afghanistan. Dropped us right in the shit. Right in the shit. Bomb. Oh, we're pulling out tomorrow. What? And gave us no chance whatsoever to stand up and keep the lid on the thing. The UK went around to other NATO allies and asked them for help to bolster up the 3,000 odd Americans that were pulling out. We could have put in maybe the German Air Force, the French Air Force and us as well, maybe the Italians, get in 
other NATO countries to put in maybe a, a, just a squadron of, of fighter jets to be able to support the Afghan National Army, to support the Afghan government. No. Womp. Oh, we can't do that. And now look at the mess that we've got. Just look at the mess that's, that, that's come of it. But China is on the doorstep. Russia is also a bit of a problem, but nowhere near as much of a problem as what China's going to be in the future. China is taking over the world. China wants to be an empire. And they can do it. They've got the resource to do it. So some people say that they're running out of money. Mm, running out of energy. Mm. Well, I don't think so. Something else that we need to look at doing in this country is taking back control of our utilities. I think the only way, yes, solar, yes, wind, but we also need these micro nuclear reactors. And if we get a, a dozen or so of these smaller nuclear reactors, we can be self-sustaining for our needs. It's all well and good going green, yes, let's protect the planet and all the rest of it. But if everybody buys an electric car, what's that going to do to electric consumption? Where's that electric going to come from? Because at the moment we are struggling a little bit with generating enough power for ourselves. At the moment, wind and solar is part of what's coming in but at the moment we rely heavily on gas and that gas is coming from Russia and the Russians are talking about turning it off then where will we be? then where will we be? so I think the answer to our solution is to build these small nuclear power stations. They can be built very quickly and up and running fairly swiftly. Producing enough electricity to power up all these electric cars that we've got to buy in the future. Well, that's great. But if we don't, and we're trying to rely on the Russians for, for gas, the, the French for electric, we import an awful lot of electric from the French. Just down the road from here, they're bringing in a big cable from France into uh, Daedalus to supply the south of England with electric from France. Why, is my question. Why can't we have a small nuclear-powered power station instead of importing stuff from France? Half of our energy companies are owned by foreigners. Most of our utilities are owned by foreign companies. A lot of them Chinese, some of them Russian, a lot of them French. EDF is a French company. Why have we sold off all our utilities to foreign countries? It's not a clever thing to do, if you ask me. And I think it's time that we started taking some of this stuff back. Boris needs to get his finger out 
if he wants to go down this green thing, then he needs to look at how he's going to do it. Because wind and solar isn't going to do it. We need small nuclear reactors. Not big ones. Not like the Sizewell one. No. We need small ones. Rolls-Royce produce them for the submarines. So we need a few, a few dozen of those around the country would supply us with all the power needs for, for decades to come. Yes, it's going to produce a bit of nuclear waste, but we can find ways of safely disposing of it. So anyway, there's food for thought. We need to start taking back all our utilities. We need to start training our young people and giving them some discipline, giving them some pride in our country. And the only way to do that is by this community national service scheme. Once they've all gone through that, then they can look at what they want to do. They can either stay in that sort of sector and go and join the military. They want to go then on to university. They'll have a new set of skills to be able to do that. They want to go into different industries. We've got the tools to do that for them. But we need to get this on the ground. We need to get this up and running as soon as we can. The longer we leave it, the bigger the problem. So, for the time being, hopefully that's given some thought. Let's start pushing this agenda of having a community national service that's going to work for the whole country. Let's have some skills for these young people. Let's build up the pride in this country once again. Let's have a country we can be proud of. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening and look forward to the next one. <laughs>